0: Dedicated to Henry Forman.
1: In the year of the primal... Good morning, Vietnam! Or wherever. Whomever, however I may find you. This is Alan Averill. This is episode 109 of Agitators Anonymous. How are we all doing? Welcome to your Friday episode. Tuesdays was a little retrospective view of merciful fate... And I can promise that next week I will try and have some maybe new Tuesday musical selections and not just re-editing poorly my video casts. Now, I started doing a few more video things over on my YouTube channel. You will have noticed that me and Adi from Solstafir, Solstafir, which means ray of light or something, does it not? Anyway, we did the Great Motorhead Debate, um, as if... The internet needed any more people talking about motorhead but there you go we went through the first half of the career of motorhead up until 1990 and um, you can just search alan averill and you will find my youtube channel go over and take a look it's kind of fun you know and i get a bit grumpy about brian robertson and what i perceive as rock and roll and what is not rock and roll and let me believe you i am utterly orthodox on the matter there is and there isn't there is no gray area. I thank you. Well, episode 109, what are we going to talk about? I may, first of all, point to um, www.patreon.com slash Alan if you want to support the show. Um, There are demos, rehearsals, conversations, um, discussions of books, movies, setting the world to rights, all that kind of thing. And there are no tiers. So that mm, is, well, that means for as little as $1 a month, you can go over and support... Whatever it is, um, I don't really understand how it works, but it seems to be an evil necessity these days of some sort for which I will atone when I stand at the pearly gates of artistic creativity and explain why I allowed my will to be bent in such a way. Wow, there's a sentence for those of you who don't speak English. I'm just talking gibberish, of course. Nemthianga underscore primordial. Um, primordial underscore Official, If you want to follow my misadventures uh, over on the gram or whatever else, no problem. The show is sponsored by MetalBlade.com. Go over and take a look there. Um, look, a couple of people messaged me going, how do I buy Primordial albums and vinyls and not go to Amazon? Yeah, I said the A word or not support, you know, corporate um you know, um, platforms. Well, look, Metal Blade is one of the last independent metal labels there is out there. All the rest of the big ones are pretty much owned by multinationals. They're owned by the kind of people who have private islands and, you know, how shall we say, all that kind of thing. So you are supporting the band by going to www.metalblade.com. Um, And you will find all of the Primordial albums and all that kind of thing over there. And if you are in North America, use the promo content, the promo code ALAN, and you will get free shipping. Yes, my friends, indeed. So I have a couple of podcasts ready to go, ideas written. But it seemed to me that I should revisit a few themes that I went over during the um, pandemic Um, And also a couple of things happened in, uh, I suppose, the heavy metal world in the last week or two that I think it would be remiss of me not to address or at least to discuss in some fashion. So episode 109 is going to be about mental health. It's going to be about the reasons why um, people are feeling such great pressure with it. It's a good week or maybe a prescient week to discuss mental health. Um, I made a podcast about it, like I said, during the pandemic, during the height of lockdown about how I was coping, um, which was, you know, in turns, badly, poorly. Um, Some people have said to me afterwards that, you know, considering the circumstances, you did pretty well to come out the other side um, with maybe not fully mentally intact, but, you know, damaged, but nonetheless, you came out the other side. And in turn, I made a podcast about um, how we can cope, the things we can do to cope with this. Um, and I don't want this to be, uh, to sound like this podcast is sort of piggybacking on the cultural uh, zeitgeist of the moment of the, this week or two. But there certainly are a lot of issues post pandemic that I think people have sort of uh, are unwilling to talk about or have just decided to put on the shelf because they're just like, oh, the inertia. Hey, hey, there's that word again. The tiredness of the pandemic and the lockdown just wore everybody, you know, it wore your knuckles down to the bone. And people are just sick of hearing about some of these things. That's fine. Anyway, this po- this podcast will be about that. And in turn, that podcast that I did, many people reached out to me to let me know that episode in particular helped them a lot. Um, I also did a bonus podcast on my Patreon about it and some very specific ideas about how to deal with depression. Um, and let's be clear, the at the time, well, not just at the time, but in the fullness of time, the anti-human nature of the pandemic and the authoritarian move that was locked down. Um, you know, has anyone challenged the incorrect modelling we were all labouring under or the wrong-headed science? Nope. But that's a different podcast, right? Oh, Alan, we don't want to hear about that anymore. You are right. Neither do I. Anyway, cast your mind back to 2019 or the couple of years previous to that, um, before the gears were just stuck in acceleration mode as we plow through disaster um, emergency, this this heightened state of um, social awareness, you know, in a negative way that we're all just constantly peddled to the metal all of the time. And cast your mind back to, I guess you would have to cast it back to 10 years ago, before, Social media really got its claws into all of us. But even five years ago, um, <clears throat> how much mental health, well-being, wellness, or the holistic nature of wellness. It's a word I don't really like, but, you know, for the purposes of this discussion, I think it's worth discussing. It was on the front of all of the papers. It was in your weekly supplement or your weekend supplement of the papers. Um, ads on the radio, ads on the TV. Look after your mental health talk to someone. Every other talk show. Not that I ever watched one, but they had their own mental health expert on to discuss the state of your health, our health, the health as a nation every week. And how quickly this was thrown out the window as government after government followed an authoritarian regime's draconian measures of lockdown. That's the CCP, in case you hadn't realized. Um, they delivered us a hospital pass, as they say in sports. Out the gate! Right out the gate, sports pitches were cl- were locked. Um, you know, the rusty old locks on sports pitches. Despite there being, you know, no real proof of outside transmission, sports pitches were locked. Gyms were locked. People had all their social outlets closed, locked in their homes. Despite, of course, sunlight and exercise being essential to coping with, um, you know, what was happening. How quickly we saw that our, our mental health really meant to the ruling class Absolutely nothing while they it would it would seem well it not would seem it they did continue to party you know party in the parliament and ignore the rules there ain't no been ain't really been a reckoning for that, apparently a hundred and thirty thousand people in the u k are still facing fines for breach of lockdown rules while both parties in the English parliament um have had this beer gate or party gate. Or, you know, not just allegations, but proof that they just kept on partying um, while everyone else was locked down. Anyway, of course they did. And I'm sure your government in your country probably did exactly the same. There ain't no doubt. And who knows if there will be a reckoning for that. Suicide stats? They were through the roof. No, but there was no correlation between them and the lockdown, we were told by politicians. Yeah, Sure. So, for this podcast, in light of some recent events, I'm going to revisit some of the things I said back then, reevaluate their worth, or at least try to, as we try and cope with the mental aftermath of the pandemic and lockdown, the fallout, um, how the gray matter tries to cope. I'm not sure if we ever will come to grips fully with it, but we can try. And the catalyst for this um, was the very tragic suicide of Trevor. Starnad from uh, the Black Dahlia murder last week. I made a post on Instagram about it, um, which, you know, touched a few people. Now, I'm not going to claim close friend status to the guy, uh, but we hung out a few times, um, and I found him great company. By the way, he was only 41 years old. Um, Hilarious, witty, gregarious, charming, um, big-hearted man, Uh, who, as soon as I met him, was just like, hey, Mr. Black Metal, I know who you are, and just proceeded to mock and slag me and challenge me to wrestling matches and, you know, just generally goof around. Um, And he made a very, very strong impression on me as a positive and decent human being. Super metal, super death metal. We argued and discussed Funebra and Funebrarum and, you know, God Macabre and all these, you know, obscure early 80s death metal bands in between rounds of wrestling matches and doing shots. Um, now, look, like I said, I'm not going to claim close friend status. Surely not. But peripherally, here was a man who made um, a very strong impression on me and he took his own life uh, la- uh, at the beginning of last week. So... While I've had really close friends kill themselves, um, Salim from the Devil's Blood springs to mind in other bands, for example. Um, but, you know, that's not for this podcast. And, you know, people from around the corner where I live, um, people who I grew up with, people in other bands, people I've played sports with, the most unlikely people I could imagine. But when you hear you go, wow, really they did that? fucking hell and and your mind boggles and it was the same when some when i heard about trevor somehow he seemed like the last person in the world i would have pegged for those things but that's kind of how it is right all sorts of people and almost all not to say all but almost all young men um all Young white male dudes, there's a huge percentage of that. And I say that because that's kind of what is happening statistically. Um, I draw no judgment on that particularly um, in relation to race or whatever. But young white dudes, let's be clear, championing the cause of them um just ain't a cause celeb right now. It's not really, um, you know, the flavour of the moment to uh, champion this as a cause I'm not saying other people from many other countries uh, don't kill themselves of course they do but this is my experience and it's also I think statistically borne out these young men killing themselves certainly ain't as I said the cause celeb um, of the modern age but the numbers are pretty they're pretty big but you know what they say there ain't no suicide stats for Costa Rica is there and um, And I'm going to get into the reasons why it would seem geographically different countries have different statistics. Anyway, firstly, I went back and I watched the Black Dahlia murder murder documentaries on YouTube and found myself laughing, laughing out loud. Not my band, not my music, but maybe it was never meant to be, sure. But the warmth of humanity was not difficult to be touched by. And then I went back to an interview with Trevor from... Um, metal injection with the guy. Um, I forget his name for metal injection. <clears throat> He's a good host and he did his he did those uh, sleigh at home kind of um you know all day stream things, etc. Um, and the interview is very, very um, in retrospect touching very deep, but um, he openly talks about ketamine therapy, um, about suicide and at the end states, you know the suicide hotline number maybe we should have on the screen at the end. Um, And it struck me, wow, this is an almost Pete Steele-like prophecy of doom. Um, And there it all was in one interview. The dude was struggling, like really fucking struggling. Um, You could see it. He certainly wasn't the person that I remember um, having, you know, drinks and chats and, you know, fun times with. Only two or three years before that, Even the tone of the room, dark, curtains pulled. Uh, Like I said, the dude who was calling me Mr. Black Metal and trying to do wrestling moves on me was nowhere to be seen. And some of you may have, um, remember my eulogy for Selling from Devil's Blood included the line, I always knew you could dance better than me. Um, And uh, listen, Trevor could wrestle better than me as well. This may come as no surprise. But in the comments under the interview, other than the genuine outpouring of grief, love and warmth for the guy, which was uh, which was overwhelming, was one comment. The pandemic killed this guy and that really hit a nerve with me and it really made me stop and think, really did stare out the window at the rain. I'm not being polemic here, but hey, it's Ireland and it's always raining and it's really been raining the last while and. Um, And it just really made me think. The pandemic never pushed me that far. In fact, it pushed me in another direction. Um, And I have no problem in admitting it. It pushed me in the direction that I hoped someone would get in my face in the street. So I could simply beat the F out of them. Um, I had so much unchecked rage, so much anger and frustration that I could see a taxi driver moment in my future. And ah, it was coming. In fact, I even dreamt about getting into fights. Um, now, that may sound very strange to some of you or may even shock some of you. Um, I thought about it constantly. Um, and I imagined, I imagined when, once I saw that comment underneath the YouTube, um, that YouTube interview, um, what if that was suicide that I was thinking about? Obsessing, lurking in the background of my thoughts constantly, which as I watched that interview with Trevor, um, I thought, yeah, it's there. It's sitting on the shoulder, sitting on the shoulder in that interview. It made me actually really wish that I'd reached out to the guy to do my own video casts, my own podcast and had a chat, um, which of course you're listening to right now and you know I do those video chats and oddly enough, many times during, that, during those chats, whether it's with Adi from Solstafir and um, um, Anders from Catatonia, we discussed mental health, we discussed all of these things and it also brought back some memories of if you've seen Solstafir live, um, I think it's um, I can't remember which song it is, but Addy does a big speech about a friend of his who killed himself, and it's a big part in the middle of the Solstice set that is really, you know, it's a kind of goosebump moment. In fact, I'm getting goosebumps now when I think about it. Um, if you're listening, Addy, well done for that. But he makes this big speech about mental health, and he really touches a nerve with that speech, and it made me think to myself, I should have reached out to the guy um, and invited him on. In fact. I'd actually thought about it Um, and he was, uh, you know, I'd written out a list of like 10, 20 names of people and he was on the list, you know. Um, Now, it's maybe a shame he wasn't near the top of the list, but that's how your mind goes, right? You try and go back and you think, no matter how peripheral you are to someone's life and think, could it be, could I have said the one word that, um, who knows, saved someone? And I don't mean that in a, um, you know, some sort of... Um, egotistical way, but um, changes their mind or even distracts them from those suicidal thoughts. Certainly people have come up to me and said, your music or your lyrics have got me through some hard times and through some suicidal thoughts, through the pandemic even, and even the podcast, for what it's worth, many people have said it helped them. And also people have come up to me and said, yeah, you know, in 2006, you said to me um, something about singing. Somebody comes up to me and goes, "Um, you know, I just made an offhand comment Basically saying to someone like, look, man, singing is about confidence most of the time. Um, Take that with you and you've got half the battle. If you're confident, you're going to hit that first note. When you go to do it, the chances are more than likely you're going to get it right. Um, And that person ended up going on to some considerable degree of um, skill and reputation as a singer. And he just sort of said to me, man, that sort of made a difference when you said that. And I thought, wow, the throwaway comment can make a difference. And you never, um, you wonder about people who take their own lives. And could, could you have said that word where they go, hmm, maybe not today. Anyway, what can we do? Um, and so all of this got me really, really thinking. Now, the second thing that got me thinking, and much less so, because, you know, we practically... It was impactful watching James Hetfield from Metallica have a breakdown on stage in Brazil. This made me somehow more conflicted. Because obviously Metallica is a huge part of my childhood and many of your childhoods that are listening. And the fact was, when we were kids, Metallica were like the outsider band. Um, You know, they weren't a big hair band. They weren't a showy band. They were our band. And they projected this image of strength. And it gave me strength as a kid. Strength to go, you know what? I don't care if I'm in the out group This is my band. They speak for me. Um, And my image of this was tarnished by the millionaire's folly. That was the stupid movie, some kind of monster, Um, because when they made that, they were, I suppose, pretty much the same age as me. And it's just such nonsense. And so my view of this outpouring of emotion and grief by um, James was somehow... You know, and I will say this straight off, um, unfairly tarnished by that movie. It seemed to me um, that I was being uncharitable when I really thought about it. Being the strong man eventually takes its toll. It has to. Like Atlas carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. And it made me think of Trevor. Maybe being the funny guy. I mean, look, we've seen this throughout history. That, that takes its toll as well. So some of this needs saying and some of it maybe not. But I'm going to try and um, take a look at some of the ways of coping, or at least how I cope, and then maybe try and consider why um, the pressure seemed to be so great on people. First things first, and I said this in the Instagram post, my impressions of Trevor were a super hilarious and funny guy. But of course, under that, you know, he reveals in the interview, he was an anxious guy with a lot of self-doubt. Um, and it's important. Now, I, I I will say this: I don't believe in living your life as an open wound. I'm, I'm I admire stoicism. I admire privacy. I don't think we should all be encouraged to um, bleed our you know our, uh, spill our guts all over the internet. I don't believe that that's the answer. But I do believe that certainly, of course, talking to people in confidence or talking to people I, how and when you are able to find them that you can have some. Um, you know, faith in their ability to be good listeners, good advisors, all those kind of things to try and be there for other people to have that discussion is very important. I do think, though, like I said, spilling it out all over the Internet ain't the best way to deal with it. Um, but like I said, maybe uh, we all need to um, reach out to someone who you haven't spoken to a while in, in a while, who you... I've always assumed is the person who doesn't need a, hey man, what's up, buddy, and do exactly that. Um, and I think that that's kind of important. Now, I will say I always had a bout or two with depression every year. Dub- Dublin can be a grey and rainy city. I think they call it SAD, Seasonally Adjusted Depression. Certainly is a thing. Uh, and There ain't no, as I said, ain't no suicide stats for Costa Rica, right? Indeed. Now, what I tried to do was something that maybe won't be um, wasn't there wasn't a structure in place for most people to be able to stand upon. But you can try and create that structure for yourself. So um, you what, are, what you tried to do is channel this darkness, let's call it what it is, into a form of creativity. Primordial, of course, isn't created in a vacuum. Neither is Dread Sovereign, neither is April Men, um, or most of the other things that I've been involved in. The way it sounds is how we are as people. It's dark music. You know, and I don't mean that in some sort of, um, you know, sort of ridiculous, over overblown teenage goth way. Even though I was, you know, had a uh, some part of me was a teenage goth. But what I mean by that, um, it's about tackling that, that the essence of that head on. It of course, uh, Promodil is not escapism. Um, like at least I observed the Black Dahlia murder to be, uh, in a fantastical way. In fact, maybe we are the opposite. On some level. So the idea of indulging this mental state a bit, which I must admit, I borrowed from um, my, you know, I will call it pseudo artistic leanings and the idea that the the principle of the, um, you know, kind of put upon artist, the artist with, with, you know, dealing with demons and um, is somehow appealing. I think it's appealing to the Irish psyche as well because so many of our heroes are also on the other side fucked up alcoholics or whatever. Whether it's Brendan Behan or, you know, many of our writers or playwrights, they were, you know, they were disturbed. They were kind of maybe a bit, you know, dark people. Whether it was James Joyce even. Um, and sort of to, so to embrace that form and and squeeze creativity out of it is very romantic. And I sort of... um I sort of, just uh, you would lean into that. Um, you know, not comparing myself to those people, but you were trying to gain something artistic from it. And that was important, even vital. So you dealt with those impulses head on. Um, I must say that um, I felt of the, I felt little of this urge during the pandemic or lockdown. I didn't see it as an opportunity to write songs or lyrics even. It seemed too obvious to me to write a lockdown solo album that no one really wants or wanted. No matter how cathartic, cathartic, that's a good word, <clears throat> like inertia. I was simply too angry. I wanted to kill someone, not sing to them. So the game had changed, certainly. This was a new kind of mountain to climb, a new sort of, um, a new state of adversity and how were you going to be able to cope with it? Um, you you weren't even going to be able to run around, in a, you know, after a ball in the rain and have a pint with somebody later on or whatever normal, very simple coping mechanisms you had. They were gone. Um, but, On that other podcast, I urged people, for example, to try and find a portal uh, to take a painting, write some bad poetry, build an engine, learn the guitar, learn something, do something with your hands to try and take your mind off things. And also importantly, reduce your screen time as this is and was the real brain killer. Um, Everyone inside at the same time being force fed propaganda, conspiracy and bullshit from all sides. Um, and also just, it's just no good for um, the brain to take in this much stimulation and information and to be locked away from human contact. We are, after all, social, So we are uh, social apes, you know. Um, we collectively lost our minds, and there's no doubt. How do we put them back together? Um, you know, building something, building something, furniture, an engine, or building your body. Now, I saw in this interview... Um, Trevor, for example, discussed about how he was fearful of going back on tour again when when everything, you know, subsided. And I felt the same kind of wondering, you know, myself, like, uh, am I going to be able to step back into this? Am I going to be able to uh, physically, mentally, you know, get back to that place where I was to sing properly every night, to have everybody's, let's say, Friday night anticipation on your shoulders, because if you've been listening to the tour diary of the last three episodes, you will notice or, you know, note, note what I say when um, I, I enjoy the pressure of that Friday night. But, you know, if your voice isn't feeling tip top, as you can still hear, it's not fixed yet, um, which is a bit worrying. Um, but anyway, you know, for someone like. Trevor, and when I observed him, he was the party guy, the, the go-to guy, the, the guy that everyone wanted to hang out with and have a piece of. And, I, hey, I found him. Um, this is the, After the first time I met him, I went to find him the second time to hang out with him. And who knows? Now, maybe that fucking cheered him up no no end. Um, or maybe he went, oh, fucking hell, man, I got to drink some whiskey now. Mr. Black Metal is here. Y- you know, you'd hope that your um, presence as another human being who wants to hang around with you for the most part, will lift people, you know, it's it will lift people up um, a little bit, at least, if, if I can imagine myself doing that. <laughs> it is a little difficult. But um, I've th- also sensed that great pressure of, how can I, am I going to be the same person I was for people before? The pandemic really was, um, for many people, some people, they breezed through it, some people enjoyed it. But for some of us, it felt like, five or ten years long and we aged considerably and I saw that also within Trevor because I felt the same way. So, and I said in the last podcast um, of the Tour Diary, I played a football match the day after I came home. Of course, I didn't feel great after three weeks in a bus, drinking, feeling not great, feeling great also in turns but being overstimulated and I'll tell you what, that first crunching tackle in the rain and an elbow to the side of the head, it really woke me up. Um, Of course, Again, this was hard during lockdown. I took up running and I was up to 15 kilometres three times a week and five on most other days. I got so damn fit that I looked kind of ill, but it was boring. There's nothing communal about it. So it wasn't like a team sport, which I recommend for everyone, even if you don't like the idea of it. But having other people depend on you and that when they pass you the ball, you pass it to someone else. It's 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 very fundamental and it's very very important. I think for your mental health, um, but certainly I can only extol the virtues of sport. That's the first thing in dealing with um, depression or dealing with dark thoughts. Um, it is sport, moving, keeping fit. This is the most important thing you can imagine to dealing with mental health. Not to sound all rogan about it. Um, I've never f- not felt better after a match, a run, a workout. It's the biggest tool I have in dealing with all of those impulses. Um, And I say this while acknowledging that I let those impulses out to play, to run around the paddock, um, to get their moment. But it feels like they completely took over for Trevor when I was watching that interview. It's a balancing act. I mean, that's what life really is. But there isn't a time in my life, even when I've been hungover and feeling beyond the black, Little metal church reference that getting out onto the pitch hasn't helped. OK, if you aren't a sports person. Well, you know what? Dig around and find some kind of compromise. Maybe it's that hot yoga morning. Hey, there you go. I just recommended hot yoga and um, I'll be doing slam poetry next. Something. you got to find something. And because atrophying in front of a screen won't give you anything positive. And the willpower it takes when you've had a shitty day to get out and run the length of the canal, which is near where I live, over and over in the rain or at midnight, um, which is what I took to doing, is very important because it it teaches you a bit of willpower. Um, Secondly, and I would couple this with just moving more than you're um, sedentary, because we've all been, you know, corralled into this, you know, stay at home living inside living sedentary living whereas once upon a time we were out doing physical labor um and i think it's it, it's in, been in such a short space of time that people have been encouraged to literally just spend their days in front of a screen that it's it's gonna have it has disastrous impacts not only on our physical health but our mental well-being um so i would couple trying to move move a bit with nutrition. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I eat some paleo diet of this and that. Um, I don't start my day off with a kale smoothie, but food is the fuel you put into your body. Nasty processed food, if you put this into it, this is where your brain and your body is going to go, right? Fast food, meat full of preservatives, if you can, try and give it up. Um, you know, I'm not going to preach about that. I'm not a vegetarian, but I don't eat very much meat at all. And I certainly don't eat processed meat. Um, I try and eat fish wherever possible, or a substitute for meat. Um, Too much sugar and salt, there's no doubt it will affect your mood. And before, of course, it affects your body, your physical well-being. I would advise getting into cooking. Yeah, who knew I would say that? But take the time out to prepare something. Alcohol. It's a natural depressant, right? So if you're going to hit the booze hard, you will pay for it. And the older you get, there is no escape from the hangover. There's no escape from the physical Um, the physical feelings that you have for a day to two to three afterwards. um, And it's a natural depressant, um, especially if you're going to hit the gin. Um, You are going to pay for it. Of course, I drink, certainly not like I used to and not the spirits as much as I did. It's wine for me, which can really dehydrate you and really shrivel your brain. But again, it's a balance. Everyday Everyday drinking will take its toll. I kind of think alcohol should be more for good company other than solitary company for the weekend for moderation on some level or binge on the day you do pay the price, eat the junk food the next day and then leave it alone. And come Monday. All right. Put it back on the shelf. But like I said, if you eat awful food and drink all the time, I mean, it's, this is not going to sound like a revelation to anybody. But I'm just talking about the mechanisms for um, trying to keep those grey clouds above you, maybe in the distance or maybe not always there. And the same goes for drugs. If they become a reliance, a standard, the rule rather than the exception, they will also take their toll. But you can say this for almost anything, right? Um, I'm not going to sit here and, as I said, and say on these recordings, claim the rights to any virtue on these fronts. But balance and not allowing vices and bad habits take over from the good ones is super important. I think personally we need some vices. We do. They are the catalyst for the great stories in life. No good story ever started with, I was hot, I was at hot yoga and then, I mean, look, I get it. But maybe more interestingly, but more difficult to pinpoint, is why so many young men. And of course, if you know some young women, I'm also talking about that as well. But statistically, it seems to be predominantly young men why they feel the need to take their own lives, what it is, what is it about modern society that pushes them to this point? Um, I mean, certainly back when roles were more defined, we knew our purpose. You worked in the field. Um, You worked with your hands. Life had clear or clearer roles. Of course, defined around hard work and family. Um, I think that the removal or blurring of all of these roles has to be a part. People having... People having children later, Um, if not all the time, but it certainly also has to be a factor as you haven't got someone yet in your life who's more important than you until you have kids. So while slipping off this mortal mortal coil by your own hands um, is still an incredible moment of grief for family and friends to deal with. Having children, by all accounts, I sense, I imagine, I think anecdotally talking to my friends who do have them. This is an inarguable bulwark against these thoughts. And any man who I've talked to who has kids has more or less said the same thing. Why don't I take my own advice? Well, of course, no one's perfect and the war ain't over yet, is it? So, is what I'm saying deeply conservative? I don't feel it is. I just feel it's kind of matter of fact and Um, self-evident. To me, it's just logical. The removal of defined roles in our lives can lead to this sense of nothing having meaning, being unmoored, listing being cast far from the shore. And what in the West do we end up filling this void with? Materialism, Um, you know, and vices. Well, of course, certainly. So while some would say that that the traditional role of masculinity in society uh, stops men from discussing their feelings, well, I'm not so sure I subscribe to that. Of course, to a percentage, it may be true. But I actually sense the opposite the emasculation of society on a broader level, on defined um, roles of identity, the idea that nothing really means anything in a postmodern sense, I think actually is far more destructive. Um, purpose, meaning, hard work, family and definition are, in my opinion, more important when we are discussing harbour and deal- harbouring and dealing with dark thoughts um, and knowing when to allow them out to run in the streets, as I said, at night, is important for sure. But all of those things that had us, um, you know, at least gave us some structure to stand upon. If you remove them all, I think we struggle in these deep waters. Um, so then take what I've said into account. And uh, it's like the square peg pushing it through the circular hole of the pandemic and lockdown when all of the me, all of our meaning just dissolved um we all felt remote, powerless, which is very important, um, just falling. I certainly felt like that, falling at 100 miles an hour, nothing to hold on to on either side to stop the sensation and stop, uh, you know, to just stop moving, that you're not in control of your own life. This is a very important thing. And this is what the lockdown and the pandemic just, you know, it was like Tinder to the fire, um, it just exploded all of these feelings these feelings of um, you know worthlessness of power powerlessness where it felt that you were no longer in control of your um, own um, your own destiny so to speak. Well indeed we used to play this game rather macabre game on the tour bus and we would go we would go name the tw- 20 most popular cities or populous cities um, and we would you know put money on what was number one but we used to do this the top 20, Um, countries by suicide and we would make a bet on what was number one. Can you guess? Well, mostly for the countries that did have statistics, um, it was pretty clear. And it comes back to one of the things I said earlier. But um, mostly all ex-communist countries led the statistics or Northern European countries. Um, So, you know, Belarus, Lithuania, Latvia, of course, um, and then you get further, of course, Russia, etc. Um, Northern European countries, Finland, um, Norway, and then um, Japan, wh- we, which I'm not going to try and get my brain around on our culture that they have in some of those Asiatic countries, but there was big suicide stats there. Like I said, ain't didn't seem to be any stats for uh, Central America or places where the sun shines. This may seem really simple but self-evident. But at least it, it explains, um, you know, uh, half of the, our Finnish friends' mindset. But these things pay, play a huge part. Geography. Um, the amount of darkness you spend in, uh, you know, hours of darkness every, every winter. Um, but also, let's be clear, just sheer hopelessness. So, you know, you mix in uh, the grim nature of a Belarusian winter with the feeling of poverty. Um, and powerlessness. Add all these things together. Um, I mean, having said all of this, to be fair, there is no doubt, of course, that the stiff upper lip approach to everything is not the perfect recourse either. I'm a man who admires stoicism, and I said not living your life like an open wound, um, or not living your life like you're in therapy, but um, being able to discuss your problems is important. Being uh, Having a social outlet, or even two or three people that you trust to be able to um, you know, have it out with. And um, which, of course, returns me to the lockdown. People living alone. Um, I do, for example. I just spent um, some time imagining how old people with no outlet to be social felt. And um, They certainly weren't on their social media telling you how they were dying of loneliness, were they? Because they weren't on social media. So what the, what were they doing? Again, shame on every government who are telling us we could not bury our dead or hold our elderly loved ones' hands when they were passing on, shame and indeed quite a lot of anger should not be forgotten. How many old people must have thought, it must be better to kill myself than to live like this? So this is, of course, why it's important to be able to talk about some of these issues freely. And now that the pandemic is sort of in the rearview mirror, mirror, um, you know, maybe, OK, still it's like some undead ghoul hanging onto the bumper and refusing to let go as we try and pick up speed. Um, down the, you know, down the, uh, the motorway. Um, and there's no doubt we can all see the, um, the people who have uh, to profit, power and economics are literally praying, you know, counting down the minutes for the next one so they can take a little bit bigger bite out of your freedom and liberty and, well, finances, quite frankly. Um, but I think it's important to try and conquer some negative social habits learned during the pandemic. Um, The ease within which, as we now say in Ireland, we flake on being social. Isn't it easier to just stay inside, pour a glass of wine, not see anyone? This ain't the answer. Of course, the cost of that glass of wine in a pub here is enough to put anyone off. We might have to start sneaking in naggings back into the pub. But, well, where am I going with all of this? Like I said, if you know the podcast, you'll know the sort of rambling nature of my thoughts as I skip from one thing to the other. But... I think what I'm trying to sort of elucidate here is that the people who you least assume um, to have trouble or to be in trouble or to be struggling are perhaps maybe the most, um, you know, once you scratch beneath the surface, uh, those are the people that maybe need that, hey, buddy, what's up today? Um, And who knows, maybe that, hey, buddy, what's up? You coming down for a drink or hey man I'm going to call around I got some old vinyls we're going to you know put them on and you know have a few have a few beers or have a chat maybe that's that like I said and I say this a lot about even making music which is when I I'm looking at my guitar here my old 1980s Tokai um, and sometimes I it looks at me mocking me but every now and again I pick it up and I wrangle a tune out of it which then becomes a Dread Sovereign song becomes um something that goes to the record label that's recorded that be- becomes a vinyl that maybe you own or maybe you don't own maybe you've seen us live that small drop in the water that has as the um you know as the ripple spread out think of that in terms of reaching out to to someone to say to them hey man or hey woman <laughs> or hey whoever whomever going how you doing buddy what's up today um that could be that drop in the water that has those movement of circles out that stops some of those darker impulses, those darker thoughts, and maybe pulls someone back from the brink. You never know. You never know. And I think about those things quite often. And the, like I said, the tragic uh, passing of Trevor really made me compounded those thoughts. And that one comment underneath, the pandemic killed this guy, really made me think about um the two the two and a half years that we spent living under that and living in lockdown, and the how we have to unlearn some of this, the, the bad social habits maybe we, you know took took um, took upon our conscience um, over the last two years. and maybe, you know, drop that drop the stone in the ocean today and send out some ripples to the shore and see if you can reel that person back in. Who knows? Who knows? But there's certainly um, the statistics of are are just crazy. I mean, the numbers are huge. And, you know, whether they're of young men who are not going to college, falling through society. The idea that, you know, the only the only marginalized social group who you can call like a chav or, you know, which is like a derogatory term for young um, working class white men in the UK. It's not so prevalent in Ireland, but certainly these are the people that you're allowed to. You know, the white trash, the people you're allowed to sort of um, hate on with no recourse. Um, and these people are, uh, like I said, falling through the cracks of society. And I know it's not a celebrity cause and it's not a hot button issue. You know, it's certainly not something anybody who believes in um, the politics of privilege or whatever um, that they would really um, probably acknowledge even exists. But like I said, it does And people are out there struggling. So that's what this podcast is about. It's a bit of a ramble. But um, I just felt that I should try and, I don't know, in a way, discuss how we can try and deal with these things Um, and just take a look back at the pandemic and how it changed people's social habits, etc., 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 etc. A big fan of mine has Consistently told me that I say that wrong, so that was for him. Well, my friends, that's episode 109 of Agitators Anonymous, which I will dedicate to the memory of Trevor Starnard. Um, take it easy, Chief.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better. Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby.